All right, our scripture today is in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. Um, And if you would like to join along with me, that can be found on 683 of your pew Bibles. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Let's pray. Dear God, we ask your blessing on our time together. We ask that you speak to us with your words. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, as I was preparing for this, something from very, very long ago popped into my mind. And really, it was out of nowhere. So, as a very young child, I watched the show Rainbow Bright. And I couldn't have been more than two when it stopped airing. Because it stopped airing in 1986, I looked it up. And I... I don't think that there were even that many reruns. And yet, I remembered the villain from this show as I was reading through the scripture for this week, and I remembered him very vividly as what I assumed to be the worst villain of all time. And I could even remember a glimpse of something that he said once about darkness and hopelessness. And so as I was reading this passage, I just couldn't get it out of my head. And finally, I looked it up on YouTube, and lo and behold, YouTube has everything. (laughs) And I even poked and prodded and poked and prodded with those two words until I found the episode I was looking for, and it happens to be this one. So we're going to play a clip, (laughs) and I want to prepare you because like I said, I remembered this guy to be the worst villain I could ever imagine. You've been warned. Natalie, go ahead. And then turn the world dark and make everyone Yeah, I hate it. I 
Okay, so it turns out my memory failed me. And then it left me wondering why that played so hard in my mind, because honestly, it has to have been decades since I saw that show and I have no idea how I remembered it. But I remembered how much that villain hated hope and wanted to bring darkness. And I thought, huh, what about this bothered me so much that decades later, I can remember it so clearly. Now, I'm pretty sure that theological education at its finest has taught us how to apply things like scripture to things like that. So I'm going to bring you along on my journey. When I was young, I did think murky. That's the bad guy. They're murky and lurky, by the way. The, the furry guy is lurky, and the grumpy guy is murky. And I thought Murky was a pretty terrible guy, and I remember thinking he was pretty awful. And he obviously left an impression. So my journey this week, along with scripture, was to wonder why that was that he left me feeling so bad so many years later. And the first thought I came up with was because as a kid, I really didn't like darkness. And that's kind of what Murky stood for. He wanted to bring darkness to everyone. And so I thought, that has to be it, right? I remember when I was little having a race with the light switch. So I'd get sent up to bed, and I'd step my toes at the very edge of my room, and I'd prepare myself and I'd flick the light, and as soon as I flicked the switch, I'd run and jump into my bed so the darkness couldn't get me. And I wonder if that plays a part as to why I thought Murky was so dangerous. He stood for darkness, and darkness is terrible, and darkness hurts you. And that's what I thought. Why? I don't think I was alone in that. And they, they obviously played that fear up to little kids, um, why is darkness so scary? Well, it's because we don't know what's around us in darkness. We can stumble and fall. We can't see if bad things are happening. We don't know when the light will come. Darkness can be a scary place. And our scripture today is about darkness. So here is our first breakout session. I want you to take your little note cards that you have, and on one side of your note card, I want you to write something about darkness, either in your life or in society today. So that could be a lot of things. That could be corruption. It could be sin. It could be sickness. It could be fear. It could be something that happened at school or work. It could be a sadness of yours. Write down or draw on one side of your note card something about darkness that stands out to you today. And then turn to your people who are right around you and tell them what that darkness is. Do not, by the way, draw on your other side of your card.
Now, I'm sure some of you are going to race home to look up that video, <laughs> but I'm going to spoil the plot anyhow. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Murky never really got that far in, uh, in bringing a, about darkness and making the whole world lose hopelessness. In fact, he only momentarily caused like five people in a magical horse to lose their hope. And it was just for, well, less than 22 minutes. So he wasn't necessarily as, as evil of a villain as I remembered. Um, but his thought process, if I had to, if I had to pin it, because I, the more I thought about, about why Murky popped into my brain while reading this passage, the more I realized it had to do with, with darkness and hopelessness. Um, and so I thought, yeah, maybe there's something to the idea that Murky, if he were a real person, based his whole evil plan off of this passage. And here is why that's possible. Because if ever there was a time of hopelessness and darkness and despair, it would be, be right around this time here. Now Isaiah, in this passage, has just spent a few chapters trying to deal with King Ahaz, which I promise King Ahaz was a much worse villain than Murky. And Murky probably wanted to base his life off of the example of King Ahaz. So Isaiah is trying to tell King Ahaz to have hope in God, but King Ahaz was feeling awful hopeless. And because of that, he led his people down a path of darkness and hopelessness. If we were to jump back two chapters, we would see that the kingdom of Israel had teamed up with Syria and wanted to attack Jerusalem. And Isaiah told Ahaz to just put his trust in Yahweh, but he did not. So instead, he turned to Assyria to, for help. And he paid their king in riches that were taken from the temple, and he began worshiping the Assyrian gods and expecting his people to do the same. And the king of Assyria pulled through for King Ahaz, sort of. Assyria saved Jerusalem from the, from, um, the Israel-Syria tag team, and they took it for themselves. So it became a vassal for Assyria, and it led not to freedom, but to enslavement of the people. And that's where the darkness was. The northern kingdom of Israel was falling to Assyria, and the people of Jerusalem were enslaved. And that is all being discussed in the lead-up to today's passage. So the darkness that Isaiah refers to is this time of exile, and the time leading up just before it. It's a time when the people were absolutely crushed under the thumb of oppression. And what's more is God himself had allowed them to be conquered 
because of their disobedience. Could it possibly be that he abandoned them? Now remember what Murky's goal was? He thought he could make the world dark and then all the people would become hopeless. And that's not a far stretch here. In this time of darkness, God's people needed nothing more than they needed something to hope in. Here's a second breakout question. Think about that darkness that you were talking about in your groups, the darkness that you wrote or drew. On the same side of your note card, I want you to write, what would you hope for in that situation? Write it or draw it. Don't use the back side of your card yet. And quickly make a point or two in your discussion groups about it. So the people are hoping for something, and hope was given through Isaiah's message. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, a light that came in the form of a child, a son who was given to them. Some people thought, this child must be the King Hezekiah. So where Hezekiah's father Ahaz had rebelled in every way against God, Hezekiah repented. He had his faults, and some thought that this child that Isaiah spoke of might be Josiah, because Josiah was a good king, a king who really followed Yahweh. And you know, God did reward the faithfulness of both of those kings. <coughs> so the southern kingdom fell in the 6th century, and there remained darkness over the people. Maybe one of those kings was a beam of light, but it seems strange to have fallen so quickly. And I'm not discounting that the prophecy could refer to either of those kings to some extent, but I think they'd be more like nightlights. So back when I would have my races against the light switch, I used to be so grateful for a nightlight. It didn't do all that much, and yet it helped a little bit, and I could see a little bit more, and I didn't stumble as much, and I didn't have as much to fear, but there were still shadows. And so these kings were good for God's people in that they did turn the people's focus back on God. The political situation in the world that surrounded them, though, was still awful. And it was still worrisome. But after their years of rebellion and being so invested in that darkness, to be able to focus on God must have been a beam of hope and, and a light in that darkness, even if not the light that Isaiah was referring to. You see, they could see now that God had always been faithful over and over and over again through the ages. And turning back to the law, light was shed on their sinful, dark activities. And they knew now who to put their, their hope and trust in. 
there was a light here. Light that no matter what, even if there's darkness surrounding them all over, if God said he's going to pull us through, then we know he's going to pull us through because history has told us that God has always been faithful to his word. And so maybe this wasn't a great light, but somehow the kingships of Hezekiah and Josiah provided some relief from the darkness, and yet there were still shadows. And because Isaiah uses things in his prophecy, uses words like mighty God and everlasting, and phrases like there will be no end, I tend to think that that little light that shone through Hezekiah and Josiah's kingships wasn't the light that he was talking about. I tend to think that the light he was talking about was something so much greater. See, these kingships gave them a hope in the midst of oppression. But what Isaiah is talking about is something that will shatter the darkness, that will end the oppression. I'm going to jump back to our video clip once more um, because it occurred to me after processing this that the reason I thought back to Murky after all these decades of never even thinking of him was because his scheme really was pretty dastardly. I mean, he didn't want world domination or anything like most cartoon villains, but he wanted to end hope for people. And the truth of that is, as funny and goofy as he was, there's something that reminded me of Satan himself, the one who wanted to bring darkness to us, the one who separated us from our perfect creator, the one who brought sin into this world and brokenness and shame and corruption and pain and darkness. I think after all these years, Murky represented that to me. And yet Satan is not like those kingdoms of Assyria who were threatening Israel. They were much, much, Satan's much, much bigger. And his darkness extends far, far beyond that. And so a king like Hezekiah or Josiah can do so much when they're looking toward God. They, they can do good things, but they're still, at the end of the day, human. Isaiah's prophecy refers to the mighty God, the one who has the power and the authority to end all darkness and all corruption. So Jesus came hundreds of years after Hezekiah or Josiah, but his birth echoed of the prophecies and proclaimed the one who would be savior. With his birthday came the beginning of the fulfillment of the hopes of creation. Jesus became not an earthly king, but Emmanuel, mighty God, God with us, born into humanity to dwell with those he loves, fully man to take on the sin of mankind. 
he became wonderful counselor and taught us how to live for God's kingdom. His counsel brought light and wisdom and understanding, which in its own way set off the darkness. And an idea of how to be his light ourselves. He became our mighty God who destroyed the powers of darkness by dying on the cross. And though we still live in this in-between kingdom where the darkness still exists around us, because he is mighty God and he is faithful to his word, we know that he is preparing a kingdom for us just as he has said. He is our everlasting father who loves his children so deeply that he would stop at nothing to be with them, that the darkness cannot keep him away from us. And he is the prince of peace whose reign ends all wrong. And we celebrate that Jesus came as a helpless baby who could take on all the sin and brokenness of of all the people and all the nations and began this end of darkness, this everlasting end of darkness. We celebrate because Jesus took our sin and brokenness to the cross and defeated death so that we can have new life. And so now, with those thoughts in mind, we're going to move to our final little breakout session, and you get to use the other side of your note card. So here's our final breakout session. On the other side of your note card, I want you to write one of the names of Jesus. It can either be one of the names that we just reviewed from Isaiah 9, or it can be any other name of Jesus that you've, you've heard or remember. And I want you to apply that name to the brokenness that you wrote down on your other side of the card. Think of what that name of Christ means for your dark situation. So here's why we celebrate today. We celebrate because Jesus is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, our everlasting father, and the prince of peace, who has begun an amazing work at ending all darkness once and for all in a way that is everlasting and perfect. And for that, I think we should, I think we should end with a clap and maybe some, some, Celebration and joy.